Welcome to a special edition of the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I am thrilled to be able to share this interview with you that I did with Chris Duhon in person at a men's event at a church just outside of Charlotte uh, called the Point Church. And it's the church that I uh, am a part of and love that church. And so we had a fun night with Chris Duhon. So he is a high school basketball coach in the area, and it's his first season with the team. And so uh, he joined us to really just have an awesome conversation about faith and basketball and life. And I think you'll be very encouraged by a number of the things that he said. I know I was while I was there talking to him. And yes, I was a little giddy because I am a Duke basketball fan, no doubt about it. And he was there during the peak years of my fandom and the peak years of Duke basketball. Uh, so he he left as uh, the only ACC player to record 1,200 points, 800 assists, 475 rebounds, 300 steals, and 125 three-point shots. And and so he uh, he's one of the winningest basketball players to play at Duke, and and so won the national championship as well, and and so he talks leadership, talks a little bit of fatherhood and um, being a dad as well, and so you'll you'll love it. And so this is a special interview here on the show uh, this week. Uh, we're not gonna have the regular podcast where we normally take a sports topic and parallel it to biblical truth and life. Uh, but we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to do that. Uh, this week is our big unpacking it golf tournament fundraiser uh, that we are doing on October 23rd. And so if you would like to support our golf tournament, this is our big fundraiser so that we can continue to provide great podcasts to you. Uh, you can go to unpackingit.com slash donate unpackingit.com slash donate, and we appreciate your support. But right now, let's jump into this live in-person interview that was recorded for your enjoyment. Here you go. So here he is, Chris Duhon. He's a husband. He's a father of five. He's one of the winningest basketball players to ever play at Duke. He won three ACC championships between 2000 and 2004 is when he was at Duke. They won the national championship in 2001. He left as the only ACC player to record, get this, 1,200 points, 800 assists, 475 rebounds, 300 steals, and 125 three-point shots. He ended up going to the NBA, played nine years, Bulls, Knicks, Magic, and Lakers. Since retiring, he's been an assistant basketball coach in college. He's been a business and financial coach as well. And now he's the new head basketball coach at Gaston Christian School, coming right from practice. We're glad you're, glad you're here. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Maybe we'll do this, Mike. Let's this see. One? Yeah, this one looks cooler. Yeah, there you go. They don't have to hold it. Feel more professional. So we'll, right. turn, we'll turn that other one off. We're stagehands. We're stagehands, Brad. All Thanks, right. man. Yeah. All right. Well, so, yeah, guys been hanging out tonight. We did a little trivia, had some Chick-fil-A, and now we're, uh, we're thrilled that you're here. So let, let's begin, though, because I think guys are, are curious to, to hear, wow, Chris Duhon's in the area. He's coaching a, a local high school team. So how did you end up at Gaston Christian School, and 
What's the kind of journey been like so far as you prepare for this, this upcoming season, which is your first? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was coaching at Bryant well, now two years ago. Uh, you know, my wife's a math professor. Uh, she actually went to NC State. Uh, no, 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 no. We got, we got a wolf pack. We got some wolf. There we go. <laughs> uh, she actually went to NC State. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, my mom's lived in Charlotte since I graduated from college. And we, you know, always wanted to kind of make North Carolina home again. Um, and then she got the opportunity. Now she's a professor at Davidson. Um, so we were just like, all right, we're going all in. We're, we're moving to Charlotte. Um, and then, you know, this opportunity came across. My, my oldest son, who's here with us today, uh, he's going to be an incoming freshman. And he's like, Dad, you know, I want you to coach me. And I'm, I'm like, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So uh, that's just kind of how it I mean, you know, the dominoes just kind of fell kind of into my lap while things happening. And, um, you know, me having the opportunity to, you know, work with these young men and, uh, help prepare them and help them, you know, achieve their goals is, you know, something that I've always been passionate about. That's awesome. So what, what is your style of coaching? Or I guess you're maybe still developing a little bit, taking over as head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, no, my, my whole thing is about them coming together as a team. So just trying to make sure that, you know, a lot of the best friendships that I have have come are former teammates mm. and, you know, just going through those battles and, you know, going through adversity, the ups and downs and, you know, the winning and the losing together. But, um, you know, if, I feel like, you know, you build that, you build that bond, that brotherhood, that, you know, something that will last with these guys forever. So, um, you know, I'm tough on them. You know, I'm demanding of them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think it's going to bring them together and, um, you know, we'll have an opportunity to be be really good. Very cool. Well, that's exciting. So we'll be, we'll be keeping an eye out for you guys for sure. And uh, Gabby's on the team, and so he's mm -hmm. a part of the Point Church, and so we'll be rooting for him as well. Yeah. And, and so you, you mentioned the, the brother, brotherhood, and, and of course at Duke, that, that kind of word has taken a whole new meaning and kind of mantra, the brotherhood at, at Duke. And, and as a Duke fan, I love it. I love seeing guys coming back to games, and it seems like, you know, so many of you guys are close, especially guys you played with. And so you mentioned, you know, these high school guys are going to be on a team together, building relationships. As you think about the relationships that you still have from your time playing basketball, what kind of encouragement can you give to us tonight as maybe we don't, we're not in the locker room anymore, right. but, but we still long for, for the brotherhood. We, we yeah. long for that in, in our own lives, and, and Brad was just talking about life groups and the importance of that. But, but how does that kind of translate kind of from your perspective from a, a basketball standpoint too? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you know, when you bring it into the church, like, you know, our brotherhood is something we always talk about where, uh, you know, our kind of mantra was we're playing for something that's bigger than ourselves, mm. right? So to be able to sacrifice, like, you know, every year, especially when I was there, every year Coach K is bringing in three, four, five McDonald's All-Americans who were the men on their teams. So now you're bringing them into this environment to where – you know, you have 10 McDonald's All-Americans, but now how can you get us all to put our egos aside and play for something that's bigger for bigger than us, which is Duke? I think that translates, you know, kind of the same thing with, you know, your walk with God. You know, we're living for something that's bigger than us. Amen. Right? But at the same time, you know, you don't want to go on that journey alone. Mm. And the more opportunities and the more chances that you can bring along others and help others uh, because there's going to be tough and trying times. And, 
if you feel like, you know, if you do things alone, then, or you try to fix everything on your own, um, I think you can never meet up to the expectation from either yourself or from that other person. So uh, the more that, the more support that you have and the more, and that's how we feel with the brotherhood, that when anything that goes down or anything is wrong or anything like that, I know I have, I'm a phone call away from, mm-hmm. you know, 12 guys that are going to be there, you know, wow. the next day. Um, and then that's just something that you know that you always have. So it just always gives you the confidence to be able to know that whenever I'm struggling, I don't have to go through these battles alone. It's, it's incredible. And, and that's the opportunity that we have as, as men here at the, the point to, uh, to experience that brotherhood amongst ourselves, which, which is neat. The other aspect of, of you now being the coach is, and, and having been a former player, the, the, the role of a coach slash mentor in, in life. And so who has that kind of been for, for you and, and even for, you know, for us tonight as well, how can we embrace that role of being a, a mentor slash coach in, in life, but then also the need to continue to always have that kind of mentor-coach relationship in our life as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, you know, been very blessed. I mean, obviously, but it's, you know, started in high school. My high school coach was, uh, you know, kind of my father figure. Uh, my dad was not a part of my life growing up, but my high school coach basically kind of set the example of, you know, how to, you know, you should carry yourself, you know, how married, kids, things like that. So I had a great example uh, growing up in high school and obviously going, you know, to college with Coach K. And, you know, so I've I've always kept those relationships because those are the most meaningful for me, especially when I was at that young age trying to figure out who I am. Um, so now going into that role, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, copy, you know, what, you know, what they did and what they presented to me, you know, obviously uh, being a father, father of five, you know, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, you know, we played on VHS, so they, you know, I don't know if they've seen my highlights or anything like that. So it's, you know, you know, it's very, very important. And, you know, and also being in a Christian school that, you know, it's very important that they understand that I understand that I am a role model, but they also have someone that they can look up to to see that, one, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'll admit my mistakes, my mistakes, and I'm going to learn from them and get better. But also that I've been in their shoes, mm. you know. So I've, you know, been in high school. I've been where I was, you know, a guy that wasn't playing, to a guy that's playing a lot, to a guy that's getting a lot of attention, to a guy that, you know, I've been in all those roles. So I've, I know how to handle it. And then also my experience as a college coach, as a college recruiter, Hey, when these college coaches are telling you this, this, and this, don't believe it. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Or vice versa, right? So, uh, but you know, I think now since I've built my, you know, relationship with God, you know, my my marriage is God based first. Like He's the number one. My relationship with God comes first and more than anything else. You know, my wife, kids, coaching, anything else. You know, that that's what comes first. And, you know, that's just my plan and, you know, what I'm going to do as far as being a mentor for them because that's the most important relationship, right? Um, so them understanding my faith and me walking in faith and leading an example that way, 
hopefully, you know, they they can have someone to follow and then have someone they feel comfortable asking questions about, right? And like I said, I don't know all the answers, but, you know, together we can figure it out. And, you know, and obviously we have God as the, the our backbone with that. So, um, you know, just one, my experience of going through what they're going to and, and then my passion of just trying to help kids, you know, help them get uh, achieve what they need to achieve, help them not make the same mistakes that I made, you know, during the times when I was their age. The role of the coach, it's so, it's so <laughs> yeah. important. And, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but but you think back, at, yeah, all the coaches that had an impact on you and for all of us, the different mentors, leaders, coaches in our, our life that have helped us become who we are. And so yeah. now we get to do that for, for others as well. So you mentioned the, the importance of, of God in your life and, and making him first and that relationship being, being the most important. I, I'm curious, what, what did God use for you to uh, acknowledge the importance of putting him first in, in your life? And what has that kind of process been like for you? Because I'm sure guys here tonight are kind of wrestling. It's like, ah, I don't know if God's really first in my life. And mm-hmm. h- how, did, how did that process kind of work for you? Uh, I mean, it was, it was definitely a process, uh, you know. So, I mean, growing up, my mom, you know, you hear those stories about, you know, kids going to church all the time. I was one of those kids, you know, Bible study on Monday. I was an usher. I was this. I was in the choir and I couldn't sing. Um, <laughs> but my mom went to church and was involved in the church all, the whole time. When I was younger, obviously, I didn't I had a grasp, but really didn't have a grasp of, you know, how how powerful God was. Um, but, you know, maintain my faith and everything like that. Um, but then, you know, I think with us and a lot of us, we uh, tend to only go to God when things are bad, mm. right? And then when things are good, we kind of put them on the back burner because things are good. You know, we thank them for it. But then it's, you know, things are going good. I don't have to, you know, really rely on them or things like that until something really, really bad happens. Um you know, and that was kind of how my relationship was. I, you know, went to Duke, McDonald's All-American, Player of the Year, went to Duke, got drafted, playing, and then like all this. And then, you know, you start getting into these rough patches. And then I think this is when, you know, you guys are talking about the brotherhood that, you know, when I was going through those tough patches, uh, tough times, um, I was trying to solve it on my own. Mm. Right, I was trying to figure it out on my own because that's the you know manly thing to do, right? Like you, hey, if something happens, I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna figure it out, and I uh, wasn't really relying on people's help. And then you can, you know, it starts off small, and then the more that it starts to, you know, you just go into the spiral. And uh, it's kind of happened probably towards the middle of my career, and um, you know, it's kind of figuring it out, and then you know, I'll, it'll be only thing I was doing was putting a patch on it. Like, you know, air goes out, you put a patch on it, pump it back up. You know, you're able to ride your bike, you know, for another two more months and mm-hmm. then have to redo it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, got into coaching. And, you know, when I got into coaching after I retired, um, I still could play, right? Mm-hmm. I still, now you're, I'm trying to make that transition into being a coach but then at the same time, I still felt like I was part of the locker room because I'm still playing pickup with them and I'm still, you know, doing this and I'm hanging out and then we're joking and we're all listening to the same music to where when tough times would come my way, again, I was only trying to figure it out, you know, on my own. And 
it always goes to or always happens to where you hit rock bottom to where, you know, we try to start back and start seeking, you know, God because things were going good. And at, at that time, I lost my faith. Not to lose my faith, but I lost my real genuine connection, you know, commitment. with commitment with him. Um, and then it takes took me getting a DUI. Right. Wow. Took me getting a DUI, being in that jail cell with, you know, 30 other people and just like, hey, like, you know, what are you going to do now? All right. And, you know, after that, it was kind of when it was like, oh, like, what, what am I missing? You take, you start evaluating. And the main thing that you're missing is right there. Just been there the whole time, ah. <laughs> you know, right? So uh, since then, I've, you know, I have a spiritual coach that I, I talk with every every week. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, her and I, we, you know, and everything, every situation may be like, oh, my son didn't take the trash out and I want to kill him. And, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and then, you know, always her first question is, well, where's God in this? Mm. And it's like, hmm. Yeah, you're right. You know, so it kind of, you know, keeps you in check and keeps reminding you that we don't always have to, God's always there. We don't have to, we shouldn't have always have to call him when things are bad. Mm. All right. We know that he's there every day. He's our friend. He's the, the leader of the brotherhood. That's right. right. Amen. And he's always there and we should always be connected with him. And that's something that I'm learning and I'm continuing to learn. Like, again, I'm not going to always get it right. Uh, but, you know, during that time, which was probably about eight years ago, you know, I've made it a point to, you know, every single day, you know, either doing the devotion or, you know, just talking to them just like we're talking today, right? It's like I think sometimes in our spiritual walk and path, we think uh, you have to do it a certain way or talking to God looks a certain way or you have to pray a certain style because, I mean, if you hear me pray and my wife pray, we sound completely different. You know, I sound like, you know, my four-year-old praying, and she sounds like she's been a pastor for, you know, 23 years, right? Wow. So, but, you know, God understands both, and then all that matters is if it's genuine and that the message is getting sent and heard. And, and the heart behind it. And the heart behind it, right. So, uh so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, since then, like he's, you know, like I said, you know, every week, I, you know, just in case things, and, and the main thing for that was because, again, I didn't want to feel like I was alone, and then just somebody reminded me that you're never alone. God's been there the whole time. He's just been waiting for you to just acknowledge him. Mm. Man, well, th thanks for sharing that, and, and as you, yeah, kind of reflect back on, okay, putting Jesus as the priority in your life, what, what are some things that have changed? Like, how have you seen him work and uh, maybe in your character or in relationships? What, what are what's some of the, maybe the fruit that you've experienced in, in life? Um, you know, I mean, I think a lot. I mean, I think especially, you know, with my marriage, just, you know, being able to communicate with my wife. Mm. Um, you know, like, I, you know, when I grew up, I was basically a latchkey kid. So at five, five years old, you know, my, you know, no dad, my mom worked three jobs. Five years old, I would come home from school, let myself in the house by myself, fix a bowl of cereal, sit in front of the TV until mom got home, you know, starting at the age of five. So Gosh. you got to remember during all those times, anything that goes wrong, I had to figure it out by myself because mom's at work. There was nobody else there. Mm -hmm. um, so that was something that's very tough to me to where I, you know, tend to, you know, in times of confrontation or, you know, if we're, there's a disagreement, my defense mechanism is to 
be quiet and, and go away, mm. right? Just don't attack the problem head on to where my wife is the complete opposite. Like, <laughs> we, we're going to figure this out, like, right now. Um, but us now being able to communicate and, one, putting God first in our marriage, and, two, now that's allowed us to, you know, stop having these big fights and arguments to where, you know, we, we talk. That doesn't mean you don't get mad. doesn't mean that every now and then you don't raise your voice. But I think now is that we're both being heard mm. instead of, you know, in the past it would be she's blah, 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 and I'm not listening to not one word that she's mm. saying. Right. And she's waiting for me to say something, and I'm not saying anything at all. <laughs> right. So, Man. but now we're, we've developed that communication to where, one, she understands how I react so she's like hey I would like to have a conversation if you're not ready you know will you let me know when you're ready so we can have this conversation and then the way that we speak to each other is in a non-attacking way mm. it's not a you know you were wrong or this is what my point hey this is how I was feeling in this moment you know I, blah, 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 blah. I thought our communication was this this and that so where it, le- it lowers the you know, intensity to where I'm not in defense mode, mm. right? Because as soon as you start to come at me, I'm like, okay, let me get in defense mode. And now I'm thinking of my comebacks yeah. or well, what ammunition I have that, you know, if she hurt my feelings, I'm coming back at her, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's that's how that's changed as well. And then, awesome. uh, you know, just, just also with, you know, my kids, like my, I, you know, I always promised myself that, you know, I would be um, there as a parent you know, as a as a father, because I didn't have that. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm still learning. I have, you know, five beautiful kids with five different personalities, and you know, each one, you know, you know, just kind of like a coach. You got to know how to, you know, manage, right. you know, each one. Coaching one, I can get hard on one. You got to give a little bit more love, you know, and that type of thing. But um, God has been preparing me, you know, for all those things. And you know, one of my my middle son has cerebral palsy mm. and uh you know when he was born like the, the doctors basically said he wouldn't be here by this time and you know now he's nine years old right so i've been he's been a blessing every day just to see the improvement that he's making that you know the doctors initially said that he wouldn't be able to do so wow. um you know i see god's work all the time and i think you know, that's kind of, you know, what led me to Gaston Christian, you know, because when I first moved to Charlotte, I don't know if you guys know Ricky that works at the school. Uh, he used to work with my mom at another church. So he was like, oh, would Chris be interested in coaching? So I was actually not offered the job, but offered the assistant JV coach uh, two years ago. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. And uh, I was like, nah, I'm not doing that, Ricky. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not coming to Charlotte to be the assistant. The assistant coach, I might have considered. Assistant uh, JV, yeah. it's not going to happen. Um, and then. We're talking uh, about national champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah on here. Not, Come on. that's not going to happen. And then um, it just so happened, you know, a year later, you know, the head coaching job came about. And, uh, you know, you know God, God has a plan for us. We just got to get out his way and stop and us stop trying to be God and mm-hmm. just let him work and just understand it's it's not going to go at the pace may not go at the pace that we wanted to go but we have to show that patience and understand that trust and have that faith and belief that he's going to lead us in the right direction when we need to, and he's preparing us to be able to handle it you know it's just kind of like you know these guys now with this 
you know, it's my opinion, NIL deals and things like that, you know, they're getting all this money, but they don't know how to handle it. They don't know all everything that comes with it. They don't know about taxes. They don't know about new friends and cousins that are about to come into their lives and stuff like that. Like, you know, and then, you know, and then, you know they're going to be their spotlight in the media. And then you're talking about now 16, 17-year-old kids that may have not come from money. Now they have all this money, and then we're going to criticize them for the, you know, the bad mistakes that they're going to make. So, uh, you know, it just kind of – it's kind of interesting how all that comes together. <laughs> Man, well, no, I appreciate what you said about patience and how many people needed to hear that tonight. I know I did, so thank you for that. Um, man, we only have a few minutes left. I, I know many of these guys told their wife, hey, it's only till 7.30. So we'll, we'll, for those that can stay, maybe we'll do a little overtime here, but uh, want to be very conscious of, of time. Um, my wife has to know. I got, Duke basketball player. I'm hanging with my boys. We'll be, we'll be a little late tonight. But, yeah. um, but, but no, but if you need to leave, understood, understood for sure. Um, so you mentioned your, your son with cerebral palsy. How has that changed your life? And, and just you mentioned you've seen God work through that. I would love to hear kind of more about that mm-hmm. and, and just the, the experience that, that you've kind of gone through and, and grown even just despite you know having that situation and, and having a wonderful son yeah uh, that's nine years old um yeah i mean I, th- I really do think god talks to me through him a lot mm. and you know he's not verbal um he doesn't eat food through his mouth he doesn't walk um but he knows what's going on like he understands like he would you know if he wants the bottle he'll push your hand to the bottle and you know that type so he knows what's going on and it just always seems like you know, either you're mad or you think you're having a bad day, and then you know you go sit down and then you look at him, and then he just has this huge smile on his face, and uh-huh. it's kind of like that. You know, everything's okay, right? Like, and and it's, it just it always happens at the right time when you need him, and um, you know, it's just it's just humbling. Like, it's just always something to where you know you got to put him in the shower and then like you know he got smart enough to where he knows how to turn the shower off and you put him in the shower and you go and maybe start trying to cook dinner for everybody else thinking that he's taking a shower you come back and the water's been off for the last 10 minutes so uh but it's just you know just now you realize that man like he's like super smart like because he knows he's intentionally doing it um so he's just a blessing every day that each milestone that he continues to keep hitting and it is just a reminder of the the per- perseverance that he has and that um, him, you know, containing that, you know, hey, he's not being able to enjoy a lot of things that we enjoy, but he's like the happiest kid in the world. And it just makes you want to sit back and appreciate what you have because sometimes we don't appreciate what we have because we're always thinking about we want more or we want this or mm. we're thinking about what we don't have mm. and we really don't take the time to really appreciate what we have in front of us now. It's a tremendous perspective and, and encouragement for sure. Well, Chris, I know a lot of guys here tonight are Duke fans. Where are the Duke fans at? I see All right, so we got, we got some Duke fans. There. So we got, we got at least see a couple of light blue shirts. No, no. Luckily, I took my Benadryl before I came in here, so I won't break out, break out in the hives. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we made the Carolina fans hit the back. But... Um, so as you reflect back on your, your time at Duke and, you know, talking earlier about, you know, the impact that coaches have on, on people, I'm sure Coach K taught you a lot. But what 
kind of sticks with you to this day all these years later that something you learned then that, that is a part of your life now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, Coach K was really great. And, you know, one of his greatest strengths was, uh, you know, developing leaders, um, you know, making us play together as one, motivation. Um, you know, a lot of people, don't, he's not the greatest X and O guy as far as offensively. Um, you know, that's, you know, we had Chris Collins there, so he oh, was kind of, yeah, nice. he, that was his role. But as far as getting us to buy in to, you know, to the team aspect, he was really great at that. And uh, one of the things, I don't know if any of you guys read his book or one of his books, uh, but he shared it. And it's, you know, the concept of the fist, you know, which is something that I think you could take to everyday life. So his whole concept is that, you know, as a team, you need to be a fist, right? Because if you go into battle, you're punching the enemy like this you know finger can break off and you're not going to be able to to strike as hard as you can and each finger represented something to be able to be the closest net so you know one is of his trust you know developing trust with you know people so how do you do that well you tell each other the truth Mm. you know you look that person in the eye no matter if it's good or bad you tell that person the truth every time so that they trust everything that's coming out of your mouth is, you know, may not be something that you want to hear, but it's something that you need to hear. Uh, the other one, another one, I'm going kind of out of order, but pride, you know, having pride in what you do. He always told us, I might have heard it 3,000 times about <laughs> his mom is like the toughest person ever in Chicago because uh, she's, you know, stood off, she had a purse and a mugger came and tried to take the purse and she fought the mugger off and was able to keep the purse and coach is like why did you you know why did you just let, let the purse go and she's like no it's my purse <laughs> like it's my purse so she had pride and hey this is my purse so that's the same thing that you got to have you know as a team or in your relationship with God when people come and they're like hey you know let's do this or you know oh, just you know no this is my relationship with God like you got to take have pride and ownership into that because good kind of pride a good type of pride right uh, another one was collective responsibility. Um, you know, we win and lose as a team, mm. right? So it's not, oh, you know, Boozer didn't box out or Chris did this or Jay Will did that. No, you know, every, or Jay Will made that three. No, that's our shot. Mm. You know, that's our rebound. They scored on us. You know, we scored on them. So collective responsibility uh, was another one. Uh, communication. And we said effective communication because mm. you can – say stuff but again it goes back to when I was talking about trust if it's not you know meaningful then you're just talking just to talk yeah and you know it's not so if it's something when I'm communicating consistently communicating then there's no gray area right there's no well I thought you said this or I thought you meant that or anything like it's very clear of what the message is so having that effective communication um is, is very huge, and then, man, I'm forgetting the other one, so pride, trust, collective responsibility, communication, and I'm missing one. Uh, it'll come to me. All right, we got four but, out of five. We got four out Sounds of five. Sounds pretty good, yeah. so we're, we're losing so, that pinky there, so we're, we're fighting. Missing, so oh, we're, fighting yeah, we're fighting with the pinky up right now, so. Um, well, if it comes to you, that's. Yeah, it'll come to me. That's, but, neat, uh, that's neat. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So, and, yeah, we use that concept, and, uh, and I think it's one of those things that, uh, you can put in every aspect in your life, right? In your marriage, you know, how your relationship with your kids, 
um, you know, how you are at work, you know, your uh, your relationship with God, the church. Um, so I think it's just, that was one of the main things that uh, that I use to this day, even though I forgot the last one. Right now I'm going braid that. Care, there you go, care. care. Yeah, care, care is the last one. So Care about one another. And- yeah, care about one another. And, you know, and it kind of, some of those words kind of, you know, go together, like with care and pride and trust. Like, you know, they those three things kind of all, kind of go together but it all shows that you're all in and that you're playing for you're doing something that's bigger than you it's not all about you well it it worked at duke worked while you were there and Mm -hmm. now we'll be pulling for gaston christian uh as well uh one thing i I did want to ask you we'll wrap up with this so when you were on that duke team by the time you were junior senior you're you're a captain you're a leader and and as i think back uh, you know duke players over the years you in particular a couple guys you were really that you know that coach on the on the floor you were you were you know coach k's coach on the floor type of type of role what was that role like and 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 how much pressure comes with that and and during that time did you think man i could be a coach one day because i'm i'm in this leadership role now did you think down the line at that point oh at that point no i i didn't really like coaches at that point (laughs) all Um. right okay (laughs) um no, I mean, it's, it was just a, a whole progression. So, I mean, I was very fortunate to, you know, play with a guy like Shane Battier, um, Nate James. They, they were my seniors when I was a freshman. And, um, you know, Shane is, you know, if you want to talk about a leader and leadership, like, you know, you should have a documentary. Uh, he's like the perfect one because he, uh, you know, you've never seen him with a bad face, you know, good, bad. Like, so if you would walk into the – to the church right now and watch him play, you would know, and there was no score or anything, you would know if there he was winning, if he was losing, by how much, he was just always sturdy as a rock. And then he, again, he took the chance to develop relationships with everybody mm-hmm. and his own personal relationships. So it's kind of like, you know, when you build that brotherhood and things like that, yeah, it's great to do things, you know, as a group and stuff like that, but it's also good to have to go, hey, let's go catch, get lunch tomorrow. And then, hey, what are you doing Thursday? Let's, to where you're developing that personal wow. relationship to where now I know how, because if I'm coaching, I got to coach you differently as far as motivating or things like I may be able to be hard on you because that's how you get going. You need somebody to get you riled up. Like, oh, no, you suck. No, I don't suck. All right. Now you're going to run through the wall to where if I do that to you, you might shut down. Yeah. So I might, it, yeah, it might have to be more of a, ah, you know, more, yeah, you're not soft. We got it. We yeah. got to, you know, that type of thing. Right. So, I need to be coddled. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, so, you know, he was, he was really great at understanding each player. Uh, you know, obviously he was very, very good. So learning from him was, was really, really beneficial for me. But then what I also learned was I can't try to be him. All right, I that's not like I have to be authentic because other people will they will see the fakeness. Mm. Like they will see if you're trying to like oh you're just trying to be like Shane. Like so, you know, during that sophomore junior year was kind of my understanding of okay, one who am I? Mm. And I have to lead the way that fits me. That's good. Um so, you know, 
you know, I'm more of a jokester and that type of stuff. Like, I like to have fun, like guys laughing, like I like to crack jokes. Like, so, you know, our locker room was a little less intense (laughs) uh, just because that's just, you know, but it wasn't silly. It was just kind of, uh, you know, hey, let's lighten up the mood. Like, yeah, I know we're number one, but we don't have to act like, you know, we're dying tomorrow or two. Like, let's enjoy being ranked number one in the country, that type of thing. So uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, the thing that you have to learn, like, in the leadership role is that you have to be authentic to who you are. You know, even though you still want to look and learn from others, and you should do that because there's things that you can pick up. But when you, the, you're showing and showing that leadership, it has to be who you are. The words got to come from from you and not sound like someone else. It has to sound like you. And uh, during that, you know, that time, our senior year, like, you know, I was, I figured that out. And because I struggled with it my junior year, um, you know, my junior year, you know, Jay left, Boozer left, Dunleavy left out the blue. Mm. And then we're bringing in six freshmen, you know, JJ, Sheldon, um, you know, so now, you know, we're bringing in six freshmen and I'm asked to help lead them. And I was definitely not prepared for that because then I was trying to be Shane Battier mm. and I'm not Shane Battier. All right. So that year I struggled because a lot of my focus was trying to be a leader and I wasn't focusing on other things, you know, basketball wise to help me get. So I struggled my junior year. I kind of figured it out because I actually ended up getting benched against Carolina at home and that was kind of when hmm. you know the switch hit um and I kind of figured out and I was like you know what I mean I'm already been so I might as well just be myself and then it was like oh, you should have been yourself the whole time dummy and it was uh kind of that you know light bulb hit in so wow. uh then I started understanding that then you know with the same thing again my def- defense mechanism when problems come or things like that I always try to answer myself well start asking for help Mm. like there's you know whoever done anything great that actually did it by themselves like they've gotten help from someone so I would have meetings with Wojo I have meetings with Coach K hey Chris Collins how would you handle this and that's when I started developing those personal relationships so hey JJ like let's go grab breakfast and you know, Sheldon, let's do this, and you know, and while also doing team things as well. But then it would help me one understand each player, how they tick, and things like that. And then you know, you again, you develop friendships that last today. I talk to talk to all those guys to this, till this day. You know, I'm actually going to golf with Shane uh, Batty next Sunday. Oh, so, man. Uh, you know, you, you need just a develop- nah, <laughs> I suck at golf, but. Uh, but yeah, so like just a you know one seeing you know really picking and learning from others things that you like that come. But at the end of the day, when you start delivering and you are becoming that leader, it has to be you. You have to be your true, authentic self and not try to be a carbon copy of somebody else. Man, well said. Gosh, mm-hmm. so so much truth and and encouragement tonight. And I hope you guys. Uh, to, took some notes. I, I mean, gosh, I can't wait to, to listen to this again. And um, really appreciate your authenticity and, and genuineness and uh, sharing all that you, you did tonight. Yeah, no so. problem. 
This is awesome. Well, man, I could talk to you all night. I'm, my, my Duke uh, giddiness, <laughs> you start mentioning all those names. And, I mean, you were there for the best era of Duke basketball. Yeah. So it was those, those four years were incredible. To think about all the guys you played with when you were a freshman, and then by the time you were a senior, yeah. I mean, it's, that's remarkable. So I guess last thing, how about this one and done? We got to stop the one and done, right? <laughs> you stayed four years. We got to know you. We got yeah. to root for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's weird because I thought, like, the NIL would – help with that uh but they let the nil just become like a wild wild west uh type thing um and i think aau has hurt that as well just because uh it's it's too long it's like all year so like for me i was able to develop that relationship with my high school coach and like you know, he became a mentor because like you know, I would AAU was only like a month or, or like five weeks in the in the summer, so then you were still practicing with your high school team, playing team camps, that type of stuff, you know. So you know, and then you were able to really learn and be taught the game. Well, if I'm every day, you know, five o'clock, I'm practicing with the high school team, and then six thirty, I'm practicing with my AAU team, and then it's too much. Yeah, it's too much, and then you're learning. It's like different concepts. Like we guard ball screen this way, but they guard it this way, or or they don't guard at all, and it's just like too much to where now. And I also think guys are just worried about their individual selves because they're everyone has a trainer now, and you know that's more important than actually like you know playing. Um, so the one and done is got put into a lot of people's head that is for everybody. And it's not. It's only for a special few. Yeah. Um, and, you know, us, are, we're, you know, dinosaurs now. We laugh about it because, like, in our era, and even though, like, Jay left early, but, you know, Jay left after his junior year. Yeah. Um, I think the only one that left as a freshman before Luol was uh, Maggetti. Corey Maggetti. Um, but Corey Maggetti was a lottery pick. <laughs> like, these guys are going one and done, and they're – not even oh, getting drafted. And they're not in the league. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't even think about leaving. If you weren't a guaranteed lottery pick, you weren't even thinking about leaving. And because you had something to prove. But, you know, I think with AAU, a lot of these kids are given given stuff uh, that they hadn't earned early. And they're not really dealing with adversity because I don't like what you're saying here. Well, I'm going to just go to this AAU team. And then if I don't like what you're saying, then I'm going to go to this AAU team. And I don't like if you say I'm going to go to this high school and then I'm going to go to this high school. And then there's no – And now they can transfer and transfer in college. So there's, they're not able to handle adversity to where, hey, you know what, I may not be better than him right now. But if I work hard enough, then, you know, I can catch him yeah. and then catch him. And I think they're missing out on – the grind because when you're when you have to grind for something and then you're able to accomplish it like so much more satisfying than really being given it to you like that's why like winning a national championship is so special or any championship like you know the the summers and the 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 fall and the you know the three a days and the you know the two a days and the getting kicked out of practice and then have to come in like 3 a.m and then you know losing and then you know guys getting hurt and then having like that whole process is like is something that you remember more than the actual games and but when we won it and then you finally get a chance to sit back like man like it's unbelievable like what we did and what we had to go through 
to get to this. And like, we were able to do it. Like there are times we felt tired, we felt defeated. Like Carlos Musa broke his foot. I'm like, hey, man, there go the national championship, uh, we're done. And then it took Coach K coming in the next day saying, hey, you guys believe in me and do what I tell you to do, we'll win a national championship. And half of us are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, did you see C Booze just limp uh, out over there? So kicked us out of practice. Come back again the next day. If you listen to me, to do what I tell you, we'll win the national championship. So then it was like 75%. Like, uh, kicked us out of practice. So then it finally took like our seniors, like, hey, he hadn't been wrong, because so he hadn't been wrong. Let's, let's buy in. You know, Shane and Nate, they stood up in front. Hey, let's buy in. He hadn't been wrong. Let's just go out. Just give it all we have. We got here so far. We'll get it done. And then that started our, our run to winning the national championship. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> Let's go. go. That's awesome. It. 2001. <laughs> special time. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, man, let's give it up for Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.